0: Thank you. Chris, and here we're delving into the multitude of strange occurrences that happen within Scotland and beyond. You can contact us with your accounts at the Scottish Parliament Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Podbeam, and YouTube, and you can contact us by either means. Tonight's episode we're speaking to Paul St. from Truthproof. Paul's an investigator and researcher of unexplained phenomena within the Eastern North Yorkshire area and beyond. A successful author with numerous books on the subject, a talented artist. He created the ILF UFO sightings website back in 2002. He can also be found now on truthproof.uk, Facebook via Truthproof, and YouTube via Truthproof, where you will find live shows, numerous videos, numerous interviews, and numerous accounts on the subject. I'd just like to thank Paul again for coming on Scottish Paranormal podcast and would like to welcome to the show. Hi, Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Chris, and uh, good to be here. And uh, seems to be something I say quite often, but uh, not to yourself. <laughs> but yeah, all good, and uh, look forward to just sharing a few views with your listeners.
0: Yeah, brilliant. How's life then in Yorkshire?
1: It's okay. I think we're all sort of—I don't—I not say struggling, but everybody's sort of adjusting to this, as they say, pardon the phrase, the new normal. And it is—it is a bit weird, isn't it? It's not stopped me as regards. Research, and I don't mean it in a blase way. Oh, I've been out here, there, and everywhere during lockdown, because I haven't. But the places I go are so remote, I'm not going to encounter people. Do you know what I mean? Most at time, I'm not. I'm not on cliff tops at moment, or very rare. I went in week, uh, but it's a bird breeding season at the moment, and there's a lot of avid bird spotters up there, and they've seen an albatross so it's it's absolutely Paul, you know i think there's more chance of seeing a ufo than seeing this albatross no disrespect to bird spotters but you fully know
0: twi- it's fully twitchers then <laughs>
1: it is yeah is there, is there a term for us i don't know what they call it i think they just call us geeks, uh,
0: but- i think there's plenty of terms for us uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was want to do um as i discussed a wee bit with you earlier um there's quite a lot of new people with the subject um, especially what's happened recently in america and stuff as well and it's it's kind of maybe brought a lot of people uh, into the subject who maybe had a story um, and didn't really feel comfortable sharing it in the past. And maybe now it's it's getting a wee bit more acceptable and they're bit starting to look at um what's out there and what um basically what stories are out there and what information is out there. So I want to kind of come back to brass tax We say, I know you probably covered a lot of the stories before, um, but to a lot of people, there's quite a lot of new material there that, that you've got, although you've, you've probably told it yourself um, through podcasts and your videos and stuff. Um, but on that, I think there are a lot of new people at the subject, I think they deserve to actually see what you've got in there and what's on their doorstep.
1: Well, you know, there, there's there's loads and loads of new material. I mean, I'm, I'm writing this new book, and I don't think I've spoke about half the stories that's in it. And I don't want to make people think I'm losing my mind, but some of the stuff you can't even remember because there's that much information keeps coming to me, you know? But I, I spoke on a few two- to three-hour radio shows, the ones in America, and one of them I've done three times now, three hours, three and a half hours, and not spoke about the same thing three times because I feel a bit guilty when you're sharing information and you go on a podcast and then you're sharing the same information. Mm-hmm. But I really need to sort of give myself a bit of a... Uh, uh, you just hold on there because there's people making I don't mean a living out of this because I've never made any money out of it but they're sort of they're getting by telling one story or two stories forever yeah Rendlesham Forest Mm -hmm. there's nothing to take away the 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 brilliance of the the Rendlesham story but Mm -hmm. come on researchers dig a little bit deeper let's find let's let's pack some information around Rendlesham and let's let's find out what were happening. There's got to be stuff that were happening around that time. I know there's been loads of re- researchers kind of dug into it over the years, and somebody might be putting the screaming at the screen now, saying, "Well, why don't you do it? I've got enough to do without getting involved in that." You know, uh, I don't know where that little bit came from, really, Chris. But it just—it's just that you know, I th- I think a lot of people particularly researchers they should be looking for new information all the time and not just concentrating on old cases cases that have been done and redone and it just seems easy that to me it's easy to grab somebody else's work and let's just word this a little bit different and I'll just throw another angle on it and then I can say I've looked
0: into this and to me it's it's laziness you know. It's it's amazing what you find out there as well um, when you start looking and You'll know yourself over the, the, the amount of years you've been doing it, and when people get that trust in you and know that you're what you're looking for, and in, in terms of that, it's the stories come out the woodwork yeah. and they're there. And I know you'll probably, you'll probably have stories that you need to sit on that you can't talk about, and yeah. for people for through the auspices, people know want them shared, or through the auspices, you need to hold on to them for certain time periods or, or whatever else. And I know that'll go on as well, but there's, there's so much information out there, and for, so much stuff that people's got themselves. Um. But there's, you know, there's a brilliant story. And obviously I've just
1: been talking about ones that have been done and this is one, and this is one I've wrote about that's been done by other people. Mm -hmm. However, I found new information. I brought new stuff to the table and that were XS894, the lightning that crashed in 1970. Mm -hmm. Do you know? And I think Tony Dodd looked into it. I think it was brought by a journalist in for I don't know, Grimsby Evening Gazette or something. I'm not, I might have got paper wrong. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with this case, but it's a it's a lightning aircraft that crashed on September 8th, 1970, allegedly pursuing a, a UFO over the North Sea. Yeah. And it had been done and done and done. And as Tony Dodd did a great job of it on it, the sort of ex-police detective is now passed away, and he wrote about it in his book, Alien Investigator. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to Tony. I said, "Look, I found more information out about this. Do you want to? Do, do you want to sort of get involved in it again?" And he was frightened too because he said he'd had death threats. Mm. Uh, whether he had or not, I don't know. And I've had not death threats. That'd be a silly thing to well, not silly, but I haven't had death threats. I've been told to stop looking into events over the North Sea when I were looking into some tornado crashes, but not for XS894. But I found out days before the lightning crashed that. Uh, a marine RAF marine craft coming out of Bridlington, uh, it, not far from where this aircraft crashed, had to be beached on North Breach because it got a 12 inch by 25 foot hole ripped in its hull by a, an unknown object. Mm-hmm. You know, that no, none of the researchers found that out. I don't want to hold my hand up and say, oh, look how good I am. But that's, that's what I'm talking about. If you're going to look into an old case, find something new. And we know that that's not forced to be UFO related. But you, you, when you've got an unusual case, and it is unusual, highly unusual. An aircraft's crashed up at North Sea. There's an old crash all the time. And then a few days before, we've got this marine craft that's hauled with a 25 foot by 12 inch hole in its hull. Then a few days after, there's a speedboat that the, the wife's watching from the shore, and it's the husband's in it, his children, and she, apparently she's not going. It's not going fast. It's struck by an unknown object and disintegrates. They're all clinging to wreckage. So you've got three things that happen there within within days of each other. Now that become to me that becomes interesting. And if, I'm sorry, people, if you can hear me dog barking, I can't stop it. I'd like to, but uh, we're going to have to just put up with that. So that that kind of becomes interesting, you know. And then the former butcher of Flamborough, because it crashed off Flamborough Head, which yes. is about four miles from where I'm sat. He tells me that a schoolboy, as a schoolboy in early September, 1970, he went to look at landing traces of an alleged flying saucer that landed on the cliff tops. And the farmer, who's I think the, the, the principal farmer is still alive, but not unable to talk, but his, his family members are, and I've still not got to speak to them. I've no reason to believe that the former butcher, who's called Dean Bolton, I don't mind using his name because Dean had, had allowed me to use his name. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I want to speak to family members because I'm, I'm told that the MOD came, and instructed that it plough the field out and all traces of it. <laughs> so once again, it becomes it, it becomes interesting. It re, it revives XS eight nine four because there's a lot of people said it weren't UFO related. Yeah. Now I am not in a position to say, hey, yes, it was, but there's a lot of indicators to say that highly, highly unusual events, let's put it that way, were taking place when that aircraft crashed. Incidentally, the the I don't know the exact dates. Someone tells me it was 16th of September. The, the program UFO, can you remember the program that used to be on the television? Yeah. yeah. That started. So this guy can date it because of that program. And there were a guy in his garden with his mum in Bridlington, uh, and his surname's Cooper. And 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 I've spoken to him at length. We're, we're quite good friends now. He's been been to this property, and they watched, I think he said five pewter-shaped flying saucers. Slowly moving out over the rooftops towards Bempton, Mum even got binoculars on them, and inside the sphere, yeah. there was a, another circle that looked like molten, molten embers, and that's that's how they described it. Now that were documented by some ufologists at the time mm-hmm. uh, that 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 sighting came to. So we've got quite a lot of information uh, revolving around you know, the, the, the crash of the lightning that suggests it could be UFO-related. Um, I
0: don't know where you want to go with hotels, Chris. What was kind of thinking, so pulling it back, obviously, to where, um, I know you started the, the ILF the website and site yes. and site back in
1: 2002.
0: Yeah. What was it? If you can maybe describe for the audience as well, for some of the audience who, who don't know your work, most of the people in the UFO or a paranormal community within the UK and, and elsewhere in the US as well, we'll know you some of your work already. And um, people new to the subject might know. So it's a casey, give them a kind of just overview why you can kind of start staff what made you start that then? And then overview the, the kind of area, what, We'll go through the subject. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on, obviously, the, the stories and stuff when we go through. A yep. Just a kind yeah. of review of the area that you can kind of find in some of these reports and stuff.
1: Yeah, a, a good question, because I tend to just go into details. And before I know it, I've lost 15, 20 minutes on that. And, and you're right. Um, I started the UFO website, Intelligent Light Forms, That that's what the ILF stood for, mm-hmm. uh, back then in 2002, because I was, I'd always had an interest in the subject, you know, from childhood, a few strange things had happened to me, which i documented in that book, Night People. And then, as I've said before, life gets in the way. You know, I've got four girls, wife, trying to make a living, trying to build some kind of future for us. And it, it never goes away. You know, the the interest in the UFOs, the interest in the paranormal never goes away. Uh, The the strange happenings that were occurring around myself and my family didn't stop. You don't press a button and think, well, we'll stop this and we'll restart it when you've got loads of time, Paul. It's still there, but, you know, life has to go on kind of thing. So 2002, myself and this guy called Chris Shorty were driving home from York. We'd been working, I don't know, some... I think anyway regardless we'd been working on some housing lovely sunny day gets to Sledmere which is a a a principal place where all the a lot of the activity were taking place on the East Yorkshire Wolds and we see this huge tube shaped object over some trees because I'm straight on it we pull the van up we're looking at this thing we could feel it we couldn't hear it you could kind of feel it and it were you know it were in a field over in the fields and the trees and it were over the trees and I'm sort of saying to Shorty, you know, you can see this, can't you? Do not say you've not seen it tomorrow and all that. And we're discussing it. <laughs> Interesting thing, really, because he saw it and he were adamant he'd seen it. The next day he were adamant and then it dissipated and now he won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's strange. That's the way it affects some people. But this thing just vanished. But after that, I thought, right, when I have a go at doing this website, and get you know, and one of my daughters, she'd got some, some friends who could build websites and, you know, sort of, I don't know, sixth form or uni and they had to go, because I'm pretty useless with that kind of thing. And we did this ILF UFO website and pretty crude. But as I just gathered these reports and started putting them on. I think some of it is still archived. So if you typed in ILF UFO, you'll see it reports from primarily, I think it was most active in probably in between 2006 and 2009. Mm-hmm. you know 2009 was such a mammoth year for ufo reports around eastern north yorkshire maybe even uk that's yeah. why I, I think i surprise some people when they say oh have you heard about this case and it could be a famous case mm-hmm. i have a clue what they're on about yeah. I, I, and because i don't look at other people's work not because it's not valid simply because i've just got that much to do of my own yeah. I, i'm not i'm not really that interested and and well i'm just not <laughs>
0: So, yeah, go on. You've got enough to look at where you are, so. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you started that in 2002, which was great in that sense for the fact that the internet was in its kind of inf- infancy then as yeah. well for websites and even website building and all that kind of stuff. So, how often for doing that? Um, but, like, go on for that. So, within within the area, what kind of um, size of area But a lot of these reports that you're finding coming in from? Know, obviously, it was, like, Yorkshire-based, but... And obviously, where you were based as well, there was was quite a... It wasn't a large area where a lot of these things were happening, was it? It
1: it isn't. If you say I'm in Bridlington now, in East Yorkshire, and you you know you'd go to Benton, Flamborough, Speeton, these areas, they're only three, four, five miles away. And and I can equally go inland, another eight to 15 miles inland, onto the wolds, which is, in ancient times, it would have been called the wilds. It's all barren woodland and sort of barren sort of moorland and, and gra- rough grazing for sheep. Yeah. And that's where a lot of this stuff were happening. And, you know, the light form phenomena, there's these spheres of light that i have sort of banged on about for years that just sort of... The, one will just open up in the sky and then it suddenly become two and disappear and, it, and then it's over there. You know, I believe that when we were observing among wolds, they were probably happening out at sea. It were only that I sort of got working on building sites, uh, a come off, stopped working at sea and come onto the sites. And I got quite good friends with him. Yeah. Uh, and then I started finding out that there's a lot of stuff being seen out at sea. I mean, I knew about the reports as well, but I, I was avidly looking out onto these, these sort of barren farmlands and, and up onto North Yorkshire as well. There's a lot of stuff being seen. It's not, um it's not unique to me. This stuff's been seen for decades and decades and, if you if you type in or looking for old UFO reports on internet, and you'll find loads for around North Yorkshire and East Yorkshire, mm-hmm. long before I started looking into it. I think I think what what we've got though is in myself is a, a somebody who's willing to not just look at the UFOs, let's look at the cryptids, let's look at the big cats because it's all occurring in within the same area. Yeah. And you usually find that. And I don't mean the cats are connected to the UFO, but there's got to be some link somewhere. And we're like we bang on about the location being the key. Yeah. That it's that probably is. And the, these locations, these thin areas, these areas of eye strangeness. And I think I think we're kind of in one. And as I spoke to somebody a few days ago, and it's like when you throw a rock into a pool. And you're in the epicentre and that's where the activity is but it just it just permeates out and the, and people are getting touched by all sorts of phenomena that they wouldn't necessarily link to the ufo phenomena you know the ghost phenomena the poltergeist phenomena could all be activated within these areas and I'm, I'm saying that loosely because i haven't got the answers to any of these people and anybody that has well i don't want to hear from you but i'm, I'm sure You'll be talking on on radio shows, and you'll be sort of blowing us all away with your knowledge if that
0: if you've got the answers to this, you know. Yeah. So, going back to some of the light forms and that that, like yourself seen or people seen, what what kind of distances were they seeing, and what kind of shapes were they seeing, and colours and, and things like that? What was the the kind of average or, or normal kind of thing about?
1: Well, good point. I mean,
0: actually, if it was normal, but you if, know, if, if I mean.
1: we're looking at the light, and then it's strange that a lot of it is light phenomena. Mm-hmm. A lot of the ufos people term as ufos it's light phenomena now let's just jump from east yorkshire and let's go to uh uh, devon and there's a guy there seeing the orange spheres of light but got binoculars on them and he said told me he sees bronze colored pyramids inside them Mm -hmm. so i mean is that is that across the board is that what's actually inside these spheres of light i don't know um but the actual size and shape of the lights, primarily up on the clifftops, there, there's sort of amber colour. Where well, mm-hmm. I've seen red ones, we've seen white ones, uh, and blue, but usually amber. Uh, Been onto the clifftops, uh, we're, we're a police officer friend who, who comes up quite often, we, you know, we'll spend a full night up there. And above the RAF base, just one particular night, we're walking down to five minutes into journey. And there's a flash of light above the base. Now I'm not talking just above it. I'm talking up in way up in the sky, but it's pretty cloudy and it's sort of oblong. And we both look at it and probably swear a few things, you know, words. And and I think he says, "Do it again," but nothing happened. Nothing. No crack of thunder. No no lightning out at sea. Just that. Hours and hours later, because we, we're anticipating something really interesting is going to happen tonight. Nothing happened. You know what I mean? So so and the squares, the squares of light are quite interesting. I mean, I've seen squares of light with Steve Ashbridge, we have both have seen them with Andy Ramsden with the noises, the strange noises up, up there as well uh on the clifftops. And you remember, you're really next to you're next to the North Sea. You're within some instances you're within 10 foot of it. You know, if you wanted to go over the cliff, and in others, you're 30 foot, depending on. Where the fence line is running. Yeah. So you it may, you're, tr- you're trying to comprehend what could be under there, because it's not rocks falling. It feels like it feels like really heavy mach- machinery. Although I don't think it is. I'm not trying to say there's a base under there. Yeah, I used yeah. to work at exhibition centre in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if anybody's been in a place. Some of them warehouses and them them big housings when they're empty. But if you're in them when they're empty and you've got forklifts moving heavy materials about, they drop them. There's a big reverberation, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, liken it to bison beams dropping onto a floor, you know, the big concrete beams. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it's like that. And you think, yeah, oh, it could be something moving underground. Obviously, it could be something geological. But you'd think if you were hearing that, then you'd see the evidence of it above ground eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, if something's collapsed below... But you're not seeing it, and we've heard this on more than one occasion. I've had people phoning me and saying, you know, I were up there last night, and not people I know. You know, they've emailed me and then can I speak to you? And this is on more than one occasion. And yeah, I were up there last night. We went, we left about half past one. Did you see anything? No, but we heard some really strange, heavy rumblings underground. Bearing in mind, you've got the sea just in front of you, Who can and then you've dying? got
0: Sorry to interrupt, what can what kind you of size are the cliffs? Are, they're, they're, quite, they're quite high up, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're sort of going from, if you're at speed, they'll just go on a steady gradient up to sort of, from, from nothing to 45 degrees to, to absolutely vertical at 420 feet. Yes, yeah, so quite and at, at Flamborough, we've got like, I don't know, 60, 70 feet, and they just slowly climb 200, 300 feet, probably uh, near just behind the RAF base, 280. I, I'm not exactly certain. And if you look out to sea from... I don't know, 200, between 200 and 300 feet, you've got a visual of about 18 to 22 miles, depending on your height. Mm-hmm. You know, and these objects that we're looking at out at sea, and I, bear in mind, I haven't seen them for months, but there's a, a guy who works out on, on the boats. He's not on the fishing boat, actually. He's on a pleasure cruiser, told me that he saw them last week, and he saw two, mm-hmm. uh, and so he got in touch. So this thing's still being seen. It's It's just... Hour. What is it, Chris? I mean, unexplained phenomena does not present to order. So I could probably stand there for the next six months. North Latin. Yes, will happen. Somebody will come up an half an hour after me and they might see something. You know, you've got all these bird spotters up there and with, with good telephoto lenses and really yes. good equipment. Granted, they're there in daytime, but why aren't we seeing this stuff in daytime? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I do know that things do get seen by the bird spotters. And I mean, we've got an absolutely Incredible example of a photograph from, I think it was October last year from a guy, a professional photographer called Brian Lancaster, who went to North Landing during the night to take some, uh, what really, is it long exposure pictures, time-lapse type pictures where it probably takes 30 to 40 seconds to gather as much light and then take the picture. And we've got it on ILF, it's not ILF, sorry, we've got it on the truthproof.uk website, this picture. Uh, they were kind enough to send me the picture when I spoke, when I found out about it and spoke to him and he says, you can do what you want with it, uh, which I'm very grateful for, because as he's taking this picture, can't remember exact time in, but I think it were about a 35 second picture. I think about eight seconds in a single orange light appears in the sky and who he's with says, what's that? And he says, I don't know. And then another one appears and the, the sort of, Puzzled, and I don't know what they're thinking. And then another one appears at the side of it. But but now he's thinking, "My God, I hope it takes a picture before whatever it is disappears." Mm -hmm. And he gets the picture quite by chance. So we've got a a Nikon camera. Is I've got all the frame rates and everything on it. But it it proves quite a lot, Chris. It proves that they're not flares. They're not afterburners. They're not meteorites. Uh, We don't know what they are but you see there's no movement in the picture mm-hmm. it's, and these lights are stationary. There's no motion blur. They're not going anywhere. So it, one, two, three, over a period of, we'll say 15 seconds, he's got these lights Yeah. and the, and whatever it does snaps the picture. It, it don't tell us what they are, but it does, it rules out a lot of the staple explanations that have been fired at me yeah. for quite a lot of years. And I've probably detracted you again, Chris. Yeah, gone. No, not
0: at all. No, not at all. Uh, um. Thinking as well, going back to um, the lights there. I, I know you were saying, looking at you've got multiple videos on on your website on um, YouTube, which are really great to watch. Loads of them, you know what I mean, and, and uh, pictures as well and stuff. But on that, I know you were saying before, some can be seen in the naked eye, and right. some can't be seen in the naked eye. But they pick them up. With um, some technology, maybe on a camera or maybe on some of the night vision cameras and stuff as well.
1: A good example would be last year, and there were myself, Amanda Eames, and Chris, uh, not Chris, uh, Steve Ashbridge. Now, I had my Sony NX80. It's not brilliant, but it's a couple of thousand pounds worth of equipment. Mm -hmm. I had a Pulsar thermal camera. Steve had, I think he had a Yukon low light camera, and Amanda had a Psyonix. Looks up into the sky, facing inland, and there's two lights in the sky, which the psionics can see, and there's three people there. There's six eyes looking at this, and we can't see it. There's a bit of clouds, and these lights are clearly moving. I think it took them six minutes to move across the sky. Fired the pulsar up, so if they've got an E-signature, I'm going to get them, because it's, it's, that's another quite expensive bit of kit. Nothing, can't see them. Can't see them through the Sony NX80, not even with night shot, but the psionics picks them up for six minutes. That's a lot of the problem. You know, you, what you've seen on YouTube are, are little snippets of yeah. what has has been a lot better footage. Once again, it's it's money. You've got to get something that's sort of capable of being a good all-rounder, and that's why I got the NX80, because it'd be great to interview someone. For example, do you know if we're doing interviewing for Wolflands for the documentary yeah. and but and it's got l- low light capability, but it's n- by no means brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you're really struggling. You want a bit of moonlight when you're using Sony, but I've since bought one of these psionics mm-hmm. and it's, it's a brilliant bit of kit. You know, I, I took it into Forest Swimmer last weekend as well as the Pulsar Thermal and. I it were half price at Pulsar, but I think it's better. I shouldn't say better, but because mm. they've all got the uses, but I th- it's equally
0: as good, you know. It's the one that it, it changes it into any, kind of, it's, it's not just like a night vision, it doesn't make any daylight. You get color with, with it you, as well.
1: You, you get you've got daylight, tw- twilight, and, and night shot yeah. on this thing. Mm. It's only a little camera, I don't even know yeah. what it is, but it's only a little camera, you know, probably three or four inch long. But yeah. the actual technology that they've managed to pack into it, it's really useful i mean yeah, probably yeah, doing yeah. them a favor here because i'm, I'm not selling <laughs> out. i've had to buy it by the way mm-hmm. um if you want to give me one for giving you a plug people you can <laughs> <laughs> but no it's it's a, it's a good camera and but, the, it felt i spoke to chris turner about this i don't know if you know chris he's done documentaries yeah. elusive and bringing down the light with me yeah no, I, no, I didn't gosh. do elusive but i would, but i did bringing down the light with him and he goes, before he got one, he says, yeah, but it only films in 1080p. Sorry, in 720p. Mm-hmm. I said, the, the Sony that I've got films in 4K, but it can't see in dark. Mm-hmm. This thing films in 720 and can, it can, for all intents and purposes, I suppose, unless you're going to spend eight to nine grand, this thing can see in dark for a £1,000. Yeah. Do you place. know what I mean? So yeah. so it's well worth it. He's since bought one and he just thinks like, same as me, it's an incredible bit of kit. Yeah. You know, and but you... I mean, not not everybody wants cameras, Chris. Not everybody's. You, I'm trying to capture it because I sort of go on about these things, and I, I think you're trying to validate what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, a, you know, prime example. We're going up there in 2019 with a guy called Lee Hayward. Lee went up as uh, to not to criticise, but to dispel. He didn't believe what I was saying. Yeah. But he meant, it, but he did it in a good way. I mean, he's a great guy, he's Lee. But he wanted to go up, see it for his own eyes, and he was going to explain to me what I was looking at so he checked flight radar, he checked checked whatever it was that were out on, on the sea, the surface of the water, he knew, ex- he knew all names of boats that were out there, because when you look you can see all these lights and you'll go oh, that's whatever it is and that's that and as we're, as we're driving along the lane, orange sphere lights up, and we're, it's, it's, his exact words weren't, well what do they look like, but we'd been talking, I said look, there <laughs> I said What's that? I says, that's it, so we're looking and then it just switched off Gets down to the clifftops they did it several times. Lee, be- ah, I can't help you, it, actually. I've got this bit of paper. But that weren't for this, but I've got it. So it, it was November the 14th. 6.08, one light, three seconds. Lee wrote this down, 6.45, uh, 12 miles out, he estimated it. Two lights, 6.56, same position, two light, two more lights. And, and then what, what, what happened was at 7.58, and there's a field at back of us with a bit of an ill, all farmland at back. And I've got camera facing out to see on a tripod at 7.58. I only know that because I'm looking at that bit of paper. I want to remember that. I, t- I sort of turned to speak to him and they're in the field. They're not in the sky. They're in the field. Uh, I don't mean they're just, I don't know how either they would have been.
0: How okay, many distance was that?
1: Oh, three or four hundred yards away. Uh, they're not on the horizon. They're in the field where we are, really? and there's there's one ball on top, and there's two below. It's picture of sort of pool balls or snooker balls, you know. And so, so you got these, and and there's sort of like a halo around them. And I'm throwing the camera around, trying to get it fired up, because you you, you not got the battery power to just leave them running all night. Yeah. And it's just imploding. It were huge. It were brilliant. That's still the best thing I've ever seen up there. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself. And he's put four hundred yards of props, so I've just seen that there. And you, you think to yourself, am I being too stupid imagining that that were that were for Lee? Mm-hmm. Because I've not seen anything like that as close up there since. Yeah. Uh, and but we've I've taken other people up. I took the rock angler up there who's fished those cliff tops, as he said, for fifty years. Mm-hmm. and he wanted to tell us about this this spaceship, he said, landed on an hill incredibly, very close to where we saw this, mm-hmm. within, within 100 yards of where we saw this, and he'd, but he'd never seen the lights. But when I, <laughs> he allowed me to film him, Mick Sigson, they call this guy, yeah. and he told me about what had happened in 1998 in November during a fishing match, put the camera away, two lights appear above us. There were Mick, myself, and Bob Brown. And I said, look, that's the what I'm on about. Anyway, oh my God! What, what are the, I said? That's it. They're not little dots. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. They're not like they're not like you'd see if you looked at a satellite yeah. or, or or you know or, or the space station. They're not like that. These things are probably in comparison to the space station. Apart from the ones I saw with Lee, which were really big, they'll be they'll be two to three times brighter and bigger than the space station when you see it. Mm-hmm. They're not in the heavens, yes, so yeah. you know. So if we go up there, you know, somebody wants to. will it, that's that's a not a problem. I'd, if I try to go, if somebody says, "Oh, we're we're on an holiday and we're off to Bridlington and we're going to Benton, would you would you meet us? I'll I'll go up there, you know, if I can, if I've time. And sometimes you've gone up there and they go, well it'd be rubbish, won't it?" Because it's cloudy. These things will show below cloud. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to get at. They're not. It's not some. Dot that you can see
0: moving in Evans, and somebody's going to go. Oh, it's a satellite, you fool! Do you see when it was when it was that close? I know it was like obviously a light. Did you see a dimension to it? As in, if, did you see? And was it like an orb, or was it? It was. It were three distinct balls. Yeah, ah, three,
1: di- three distinct balls with a with what looked like an or all the way around them. They were they were contained within a an or a circle. Right. Okay. Uh, but I don't know whether that were just the, the, the light that that was emitting. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you could actually see a faint glow on field as well. Because I've often said that when we see these things out at sea, when people have said, oh, the flares. Mm-hmm. So, well, they're not lighting anything up. You know, and, and a lot, in a lot of instances, not every instance, a lot of instances, the whole point of a flare is to light up an area. We know that some are distressed flares to alert people that, you know, oh, we've got a problem here kind of thing. But uh, they're not lighting anything up. They're not floating down on wind, and you're not seeing a trail of smoke, or well, you're just seeing it p- p- comes on, goes off. You know,
0: uh, um. so sometimes when you say that, I know you've mentioned before where you could go to get the camera out and they turn off, and you've, you put the camera away, they turn on and, and things yep. like that. Or as you said, when Lee Hayworth was up and uh, they they appeared, you I know you've you've talked about the internet connection. You you think there's something there with that where. Uh, i do
1: yeah i do i mean i don't mean i don't know about what people are doing with this is it the do they call it ce5 and things like that you know the, the stephen greer mm-hmm. uh form of trying to communicate or evoke these things I, I i don't know anything about that i've not really tried it andrew collins has been up on clifftops mm-hmm. a few times with me i don't know if you know andrew no. and uh, he's he's written a couple of books well more than a couple and he works for for History Channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's... Oh, done yeah, yeah. Med- I
0: don't know who yes. I don't yeah. know who he is. He's
1: done... Med- well the reason I'm mentioning Alan uh, Andrew is that he's done meditation up there and I assume trying to evoke these things. Uh, I wouldn't knock it. I, I, I put it this road. If I were up there and he got a result, mm-hmm. I've been doing it every time I went up, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, we, we've tried all sorts. I mean, Bob, who I've just mentioned, Bob Brown, who comes up quite often with me. He bought a emf meter yeah you know and uh we'll put it on when we go up there and you don't you i don't know why it does it there's nothing there's no electrical whack cables there's nothing up there but you know you can be just put it on and leave it on a post well away from everybody get your phones out the way and suddenly that thing will just go daft it'll just for 30 seconds mm-hmm. there's a massive massive pulse of energy on uh, and uh and it just stops and it but it might not happen again all night, or you'll just be walking with it mm-hmm. and suddenly it's doing it again. Mm-hmm. I took a guy up there called Peter Masters, who was an electronics engineer and uh, re- re- really clever man. Peter, uh, you know, I think he used to work with Faraday cages and plasma and things, and he's built some gear up there. So we took a tra- his, his laptop up and we took this receiver that he did made with, with this, I don't know, this antenna on it. we were walking about we made sure there weren't people up there that probably thought we were nuts but we're walking about with this thing there's nothing there's no electrical sort of outputs up there but all of a sudden we've got this massive band of energy just going up the the screen of the laptop which he can't for life of him fathom where it's coming from and it were omnidirectional so meaning you know wherever he pointed this thing this band of energy were there we moved out of the way you know, move backwards a few paces, it disappeared. Mm -hmm. Move forwards, it disappeared. And then you come again and it's not there. So it's hard to say what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how, a couple of months since, uh, a guy from California came up, Alec, they call him, nice guy. I met him up there. He stayed, Mm -hmm. I'd like to say five days. I'm not certain how many days he stayed. I think it was on the clifftops up at, at Flamborough. And basically, I mean, is he's, he's that's what it's all about, people like him, to be honest with you, because he'd been to Skinwalker mm-hmm. and, you know, looking for some kind of experience, searching for the unexplained phenomena. Uh, he ended up almost getting arrested, he told me, because he got a bit too close. But then he ended up in some kind of homestead close and the police came there, spoke to him. But when he told him what he were doing, some of the locals, I think, well, I once I took to him, but they, they advised him where to go and what to look for, but he didn't experience anything. From there, he went to Romania to the Hoyobaku forest, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be one of the most haunted forests in the world. And what a brave lad, to be honest with you, really brave, because apparently there's bears and wolves in there, and he went in alone. You know, what I mean, I go in these forests, and I think I'm brave. And I, I mean, apart from getting cold or wet, there's <laughs> unless one of these cryptids should manifest, I'm I'm pretty safe. But this guy went in there, but experienced nothing. But guess what? Bempton is up there his last day, walking back uh, on his own. And he, he, I've got an email waiting for me, and then he, he talked to me and told me about what happened. And it's nothing spectacular, but he's, he's midway between Bempton and Flamborough, and suddenly there's a very, very high-pitched ringing in his right ear and stops still. Can't work out what it is. He realizes it's not. It's not something within him, mm-hmm. and steps backwards and it stops. Steps forwards and it starts. Steps forward again and it stops. You know the routine. Steps back and it's there. So he, obviously we've no explanation for this, but I've heard this. Uh, Steve Ashbridge's partner Kelly has been up with us. She mm-hmm. heard it one night, and, and I, I think I said the way I put it to him. I'm, I said to Steve, I said, and Kelly said, I don't know about you guys. I said, well, can you hear that? And Kelly said, she said, I thought it was just me. She said, I can't stand it. And she'd, she'd got like an headband on and she'd put it over her ears. And she said, if it carries on, we're going to have to leave. I, I've got to go. And, and we knew when it had stopped, Steve couldn't hear it. It was weird, you know, and uh, I'm not on my own, hmm. you know, and these people aren't sort of the only ones. There's lots of people. Once again, we're coming back to strange sounds and, so it's not just the visual that can be of a paranormal nature. I mean, there may be some perfectly good example for these sounds. It could be some something to do with man-made electronics that's been projected for some reason. And I don't necessarily mean it us. It's just that we might be in the wrong place at right time. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: So it's, it's hard to say. I think the the technology and stuff, we were talking about the intermind connection and, and things like that. I, I don't think it's, it's too crazy to, to think things down the line future-wise that you couldn't download something of someday or whatever else. I know that sounds totally crazy, but we're all electrical beings, right? Mm. You can even buy now when, when when people go hunting stuff like that, right? You can even buy now um, clothing, which is made and lined with certain material that stops your electric field emanating for your body. So right. animals can sense the intent and it's, and it's supposed to be really, really good uh, material and stuff like that. I, I know a wee bit about it because... Um, we, I have a condition with electrosensitivity sensitivity, with mobile yeah. phones and stuff like that. So I know kind of what it's like, but it's I can't see it being uh, well, well out there that because you know they're now like talking about you've got a mobile phone in a sense. Even thinking about having a mobile phone, going back in the days when I'd been Star Trek and whatever, and you thought, and yeah, that's just crazy thinking you have that. But now yeah. you can basically download if I know if of somebody's phone, you can hack somebody's phone. Who's to say you couldn't hack somebody?
1: I, I, you know you, you're so you're so right it's just it's the reason I thought of this term the Intermined Connection we're in first book and once again it's a rock angler and he's he's gone up onto the cliff tops. November time cold winter's evening gone up past the RAF base set up his fishing gear and as, as I've told people before we use this bit of paper these cliffs are like that they're vertical you know and and uh, don't think paper did out really, guys, did it? You couldn't see it <laughs> <laughs> did like that. That's it's it. Yeah. So, so, so they're vertical. So they're, they're fishing off top of these cliffs and he's observing night and stars because they've nothing else to do, have them, unless they're going to catch a fish. And they're in dark. I think they have a little glow tip at the end of the rod or whatever. They can see if it's moving. And he perceives this unusually large star that looked like it were in the heavens. Hmm. And he's trying to work out what it is because he doesn't recall seeing this particular star before he says but instantly it's on him it's come it's on him it's above him which so we know it can't have been in evans and it's literally within the time it's took him to think what is that it's above him and he's he's, he says i'm just surrounded by a light that's so bright it's like a welder's arc." he said and the grass looks like blades of silver so everything he says and then within a second it's gone and the star's gone and is that the intermind connection? You know, I mean, the, the, is is it the intermind connection when you take somebody new up there, like Lee, who went up thinking, "I, I can solve this." I think he's looking at afterburners, or I think he, you know he's he's, he's definitely mistaking this for a planet. Even I, you know, you don't know what people are thinking, and are we in that an area where there's where we've got this sort of absolute richness of paranormal activity that? It can actually manifest. And it's all about intent as well, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in my opinion, because if you've got an, a time of bereavement, should we say, uh, your mind's in a different kind of setup, in isn't it? It's you, 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 you're thinking different. You're, you, you're in a different emotional state. Mm-hmm. And you often get people saying, I, I saw my granddad or I saw this relative who's passed away. Mm-hmm. And is... Is are we just imagining it, or is it the the emotional state that's putting us into this other place that can access these things, or these things can come through? Because you know you you, you definitely get people talking about things like that during the times of great distress and, and 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 upheaval. So is it any different when you go to these places and you're sort of really expectant, you really want to see it, and your mind's focused on it and no different to the the gear stuff, the, you know, the CE5, when yeah. they're focusing. I don't know. I suppose everybody has their own way of looking at these things. All I know is that there does seem to be a pattern when I take somebody up, up there. I don't mean every time, but, you know, occasionally when they've, they've never been up before and something happens, it's happened. Yeah, on a lot more occasions than when I've gone on my own or with Bob Brown or Steve Ashbridge or Andy Ramsden and we've seen absolutely
0: zilch, you know? You know, it's just how it is. So when did you, what came first? Was it mainly about the, or was it at the same time with obviously the sightings coming through with the actual um, lights that were getting seen and obviously nuts and bolts um, craft that were seen as well um, within the area? And then going on for that as well, it's another kind of bit of quick adding on to the question. What were, uh, what was the military involvement in potentially chasing uh, these craft in the sky and stuff as well? well the, the the military involvement i suppose it's it's hard to
1: say what their role is uh, but you, i know often when we've seen these these lights over the sea mm-hmm. within 15 20 minutes there's jets over at sea it's not happening the other way around they're not chasing uh, you know flares that they've project they've fired it, 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 that's how, that's how it tends to work i mean and the, as for the the structured Type stuff on the walls. I mean, there's, there's, We saw this tube at Sledmere. It it looked solid. Or even though it were a light, it was shape of a breadstick. It, mm. it it looked it looked a solid object that were just emitting a a feeling more than a more than a sound. It you know you could just kind of feel it hitting you. Yeah. But that were in 2002 and in 2012, uh, 2014, just over the hill, there's a place called Cottom, a little, another little village called Cotton and a farmer there and his son and his their, his wife, they were driving up, the sh- they were shutting gates on their farm. The sun was shutting gates and the, the ground goes down at, we'll say 30 degree angle. And they'd had a wind to uh, a, a mast up to measure wind speed. I don't know what for, I would assume to see whether it were viable for wind turbines, but there's a mast up a thin mast. They said and they can't see their farmhouse because it's down in this dip. But in front of the mast, and they don't know whether it were landed, but well below the the angle of the ground, this huge tube just starts rising. They said it looked like a jumbo jet on its side without wings. And it's coming towards them. All three are looking at it. All three have done my rough sketches, which I put in first book. I think it was wife that saw windows in it and son, husband... He just said it was just a massive white tube. They're panicking because it's moving towards them. Now, what happened at Sledmere, which will make sense with this one? Me and Shorty are looking at this thing, and we didn't take our eyes off it. But we both sort of looked at each other and going, "Where's it gone? It just vanished. Mm-hmm. It didn't fly away. It just disappeared. It didn't dissipate. It just it was just there, and then it weren't." Mm-hmm. And what does this guy say? And his wife said, we were looking at it, we're, get, we're panicking because it's lifted up, it's in front of the mast and it's coming towards us and then it just vanishes. That's that's 12 years later, uh, you know, just a few miles away. So have we got a locational thing again? But they saw, well, two of them saw windows in that, you know, and, and just a bit further away at a place called, cl- close to a burial mound called Willie Howe, mm. which has got all sorts of stories from folklore attached to it elves and goblins and in 12th century William of Newburgh documented this sort of hole inside of the mound and all beings inside it it's it's an incredible place but and this is where a, a pilot of a light aircraft enc- encountered the light forms or a sphere of light and his plane he perceived stopped in midair because it were daylight when he was flying and it was night when he came to but we you know I don't know if we're time to talk about that but uh, lost track here but sort of when we get towards willie howe and burton fleming and all these places which are all close they've all got i've i've collected stories from locals all with stories attributed to not just lights but structured craft there's, a, there's a, an ex-police officer in burton fleming just a few miles away who told me about seeing something that looked like a crucifix with all different lights on it quite low just going over the top of his home you know it's an incredible area
0: Totally, oh, aye. Yeah, sounds. Like, I mean, it's it's. Well, I've been I've been interested for a while in, in your work, and um, it's it's great. I mean, what's down there?
1: What just just um, before you carry on, Chris. What I what I have to say is there's there's three books. There's four, but there's three with UFO reports east and north Yorkshire. Yeah. And um, anybody coming to the area, bear in mind that I've spoke to. I would say. I wouldn't say 99%, 100% of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I've, if, I've asked, if I've changed the names, it's because they've asked me to, but I can still find elements to verify exactly what they've said. But what I'm, what I'm stressing is, because I've had people come up and go, oh, I've been at Bempton. we've been up there for a week, we didn't see anything. <laughs> these books go over like 70 years. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean, Chris? We've got one guy in Bempton who's walked Cliff Lane for 29 years, morning and night, depending on his shift. Mm-hmm. Two stories for book for me in 29 years, mm-hmm. so please don't think that when you go up there, bang, it's going to happen because it might not. Mm-hmm. And
0: I stopped you in a crystal far away. No, I've just it's it's interesting as well because of the you've got the area there. You've got um Saxton Wald, which is, is is one of the oldest uh, radar stations in the country. I know the yeah. oldest. It is. It is the oldest operational radar base in, in the world. Seeing, these things are seen above in the world. It is. Is it? Yeah. yeah. And these things are seen run about the base as well, and yeah, that's correct. Do you think there's any other connection between that, or do you think they're actually?
1: Is it the energy output? I don't know. Is it that's attracting these things? We I've seen spheres of light. I mean, we've spent a lot of time up and around that base. There's a farm close to base. They're not interested. Once again, I wrote about this in first book. They're not interested in the lights. They claim to see beings. They they claim to see beings, uh, fragmented, break up bits of beings when they're driving the tractors. Yeah, uh, I know this because I have a very good friend who's a plumber who's who's worked on the, on, on the farms, and and I've got the, and I've, I've since got more information that he, he didn't know what they were on about at first. He's working there, and somebody come in. Well, they're have all having the lunch. He said, "I've just seen one." And the driving the tractor and you know when a deer's ran past or in front of you or a hare, and they've seen legs and nothing else and fragment or or around the farm so so they the, spoke to them about me and they're not interested in lights they not everybody seems to know about the lights mm-hmm. there's a there's a guy up there i'm not going to say what he is or where he is but' he's, he's literally well ve- well back at base and there's not many properties at back at base and he's got cameras or he did have On cams, in every room, huge hard drives, filming, 24 hours a day. Not for anybody else's benefit, but for his own. He's the guy that got me onto the walls, really. I mean, we know I talked about Shorty and myself sighting. This is the guy that got me up there uh, on a night, on a regular basis for years. And, And I would be talking to this guy on the phone and he'd be saying, can you see it? And I'd be saying, yeah, we can. We're looking at it now, and he's filming it from 11 miles away at Staxton. You know, yeah. Staxton's, as the crow flies, Staxton Wall's are approximately 11 miles from where I'm sat now to be six miles from where we were on the walls. And this guy, I mean, God knows what he's got now because he had a massive, massive collection of of UFO-related material. I mean, back when I did that little bit of a documentary with Richard D. Hall, I don't know if you'd seen it, um, about the Wall's UFOs. Yeah. It was him that had contacted Richard. Oh,
0: right. And
1: then he decided he didn't want to do it because he's not he's not a bad guy, but just shy. He just didn't want to do it. I was actually in Dane's Dyke with my dog and my wife having a walk. Mm-hmm. Me and Mary were just took dog for a walk, and I got a call, and I literally drove straight through from Dane's Dyke and did that with Richard, sort of on the hoof, if you know what I mean. I just... Just, just so that's that were, none of that were planned it, but he's the guy that were instrumental in, in getting me looking at these things on the walls and uh, and I
0: bet he's still doing it I haven't spoke to him for a few years to be honest with you but uh, he will be the reason I asked about the uh, Staxton Wald is because there's, there's other stories elsewhere where um, about frequencies about frequencies drawing these things in to a certain degree um, in other places in the world and but on that note, that's, that's kind of one of the things I did originally think of. But then, when you look at um, some of the other material you put out as well, it's, it's a casey. These go back years, well before leaving the radar station was there, and all oh, the strangeness it goes back yep. years and years and years. It, it goes back years and years, and it's the same with the cryptid sightings. Mm-hmm.
1: Like we said, before, like I've said lots of times, I didn't really think I'd ever get involved in them. But you know, looking in archives, mm-hmm. are, are the stories, the stories going back well over hundred years about things that in them days they, call, they didn't call them dogmen or, or, or werewolf even, it were a baghest, a baghest. And it's a, it's a sort of fur-covered bipedal or on all fours if it wants to, animal, the size of a bear. With, uh, and they always said it had flaming red or yellow eyes or, or orange eyes. How strange that when we're doing wolf lands. In 2018, we've got three guys wild camping in forest, and this thing stood up and it's got self illuminating eyes. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's other stories within them for us where people, farmers, and other people have gone into forest and seen something with self illuminating eyes. I mean, it's almost like bioluminescence, but actually within, within the air, not underwater kind of thing. Yeah. So, but the stories of folklore, Chris, just seem to be coming through, they've never gone. We're just
0: reporting the same stuff. Yeah, that's it. And that's one thing I always kind of think as well, when you've got the the folklore, obviously they've got a culture at that time when they're living at that time or they've got maybe other religious beliefs or other beliefs systems and then they'll see it as something else or see it the same thing. And then it it comes into this time and the same with the lights or the UFOs and and whatever else. And then it was theories, pixies, whatever else and, and then now it's kind of jack-o'-lantern and will-o'-the-wisp and then now it kind of progresses into what we've got now and stuff but I was interested in, in like the, the cryptid sightings you've got when did, when did you um, have your kind of first cryptid sighting coming to you and then making the, the kind of the difference between being interested in obviously and investigating the light phenomenon the UFO phenomenon and then finding out about all this in the area as well, just a mixture, melting potty, all this different phenomena.
1: The the first the first ones came from Flixton. Uh, I, I think it was a guy walking on A ten one seven three, A ten three nine road with two dogs, and went up towards Flixton and Staxton Wold and saw something in the top of the on the field line, there's a three-bar wooden fence and it's quite steep. It, I think it goes up 500 foot, and you've got Staxton Wold at the top the Mm. radar becks. And he thought it were a pony. He couldn't work out what it was. And his dogs was quite small and the grass was long, but the grass, the dogs, once again, the dogs kind of knew what, there was something unusual. And he said it ran down the field Mm. and then did like a semicircle and went back up into the wood on two legs. And I don't mean I listened to it and thought, oh, what a load of rubbish. But then I got a report from, At the back of Staxton and and Flixton, you've got SEMA, and there's a tip there. And a report from uh, uh, somebody who worked on the SEMA tip who said he'd seen this fur-covered man. Uh, And I'm thinking, well, seems an unlikely place to see such a thing. Mm -hmm. But then I've had another one about it on the SEMA tip. Then there's a water treatment plant on the Flixton, on the the Caton and Staxton cars. Uh, Fulton cars and I think we've said what the cars are it's C A W R S, and that's yeah. the area of wetland water treatment plant worker claims he's seen it then you real, then you go back to 1930s and there's an old farmer who's passed away now and he's I think his name was Johnny Keith because I've spoke to the guy who worked for him who's an old guy and Johnny Keith always claimed that he'd seen a werewolf several times on the cars interestingly I talked about the Flixton Werewolf on Coast to Coast. I don't know, probably last year or early this year. And somebody contacted me today. It'd be brilliant if I could get in touch with whoever it is. They've put that show. Is it on Reddit? Is that what do we call it on internet? Reddit? Yeah, Reddit, yeah. And, and in the comments, because I've looked at it today and I thought, how do I contact this person? Mm-hmm. So if anybody can contact them for me, please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody's talking about, oh, this is, Paul Sinclair is talking about the cryptid sightings, UFOs, but and somebody's written a comment saying, "Thank God somebody's validated my husband. He used to live in Flixton, and he's seen these this thing, and he's got he knows of people who've seen it." And I thought, "Wow, that I need to speak to this person, but I, I don't know what I've got to do to contact him." It was a year ago the comment were on,
0: but uh, somebody head
1: highlighted head. it to me today. Interesting, isn't it? You know, yeah. Um, that's just that's just another element, and somebody that I've not got to. At the other side of the Flixton and Fulton cars, you've got Caton. And you've got a guy there, Lee and his wife. And he, Lee had got a story to tell me before they built the new houses on what's called West Garth. It would have still it would have still been part of this area of wetland and Reeds and Elder. And he said he's driving along there one night. I don't know what year. We're not, we're not going back that far, to be honest. We're only going back probably to 2011. He said and this, he said, I've just looked at some bungalows t- to the right of him. He says and I just peripheral, I caught something coming down the side of a bungalow. He said and in one leap it leapt into road, and then it were off, evidently, of at cars. And he said it just looked all wrong. <coughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, everything. Its legs look back to front. He said, I just can't explain it. He says it were wrong. Uh, and I said, well, what what did it resemble? And he said, well, it it didn't resemble a werewolf. He said it, 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 it for as what people perceive a werewolf to look like. He says it were bony, very lean and sinewy. Mm-hmm. He says it, it had fur, but it were very very thin and silvery coloured. But in one leap, it leapt. If we're to believe him, leapt into the road and went off over into the cars. Two women uh, driving between Flixton and Muston, which we're all local, we're all close, we're all within a few miles here. Yeah. Late at night. They're just driving off the A1039 road because that road always features because it's only road that's running through the place. Coming down the hillside, it must have come down hillside, which is called White Gate Hill. Interesting because there's burial mounds in there. You've got Elf Howe and, and things like that in within there. This thing, she said, just jumped straight in road. I spoke to both sisters and it jumped into the road. I said, what did it look like? They said, look looked like Remus Lupin from, from Harry Potter film. Mm-hmm. And once again, how did they find out about me? Because there's a pub in Flixton uh, and they must have a, a message board, a, a Facebook page. And somebody had put some stuff about Flixton Werewolf on it. And somebody had commented to this, uh, to this girl, a uh, name of Kelly. My God, isn't this what you said you saw? And, and, and somebody pointed the comment out to me and I contacted her. Mm. And I got the story because otherwise it wouldn't have come to me. Guy walking the fl- cliff tops at t- Speeton, sorry, walking the beach between Reeton and Speeton. It rhymes a bit that, not And his, his dog sta- stands still looking at something, full moon, November 12th, 2019. And this is the pointer dog. And he says he's a really clever dog. He says he stands different when he sees a rabbit or a pheasant. I, I don't know what he's seen. Get me binoculars out, little binoculars. He says, and I'm thinking, what is it? Is it a big goat? Is it a donkey? And it stands on two legs and it's up and it's off on two legs over cliff to, or, 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 along the cliff tops and you know are, are they all lying uh, am i lying <laughs> you know thing. what i mean that's the it's... thing though
0: that's when you when you come to look at all this and even for what you're finding yourself and if you look elsewhere i know you don't follow a lot of other people because you've got a lot of information to, to get through and read for yourself it comes in in your own area but when you look outside that as well, there must be thousands and thousands of really good actors out there with all these witness there's accounts. There's got to be,
1: yeah. The, the, so, there's got to um, be. And,
0: and then <laughs> when you go back to, sorry to interrupt, when you go back to as well, when, when you look at the historical accounts and even you find yourself, you look, the place names with the Humminby the thing as well. Where you're gonna, You've got Humminby.
1: I mean, there'll be people saying it's all because the king kept his hounds there, but there's no historical reference that that ever happened. Mm. So they don't know but so it's called Hundman Bay, meaning farmstead of the Houndman. Mm-hmm. They've got Hundale Point, where strange things happen. Hound Dale Point, that's out at sea, mm-hmm. you, you know, on the edge of the sea. Then just up from Hundale Point, you've got Beast Cliff, where rock anglers claim to have seen something on two legs, told me personally, more than one, walking towards them. Put a torch on it, seen eyes, it's dropped its head down. Mm-hmm. Put a torch on it again, it's still coming. To a point where they've cut the lines, gathered the gear, and ran. Uh, then you go up to Kettle Ness. Further, Ravenscar's got reports of the Black Dog. Whitby has. I mean, that's it's the it's the black. It's the, I think it was called the Black shook. I could could be wrong. Or the, then the Padfoot, the 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 dog with the glowing red or amber eyes, seen yes. around Whitby, that inspired the Dracula dog. Yeah. Do, you, do you see so, so that didn't come before the Dracula films? That was there. Then, if you go further up to Kettle Nest, you've got which is just up from Whitby, you've lots of stories of the, the huge dogs with the glowing red eyes. Then, if you go inland uh, and you're only going inland like eight or nine miles, you come to Gothland and they've got the story of the guy trash, which is a huge dog with glowing red eyes, which inspired Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> that didn't come first. Do you know what I mean? And it's incredible. And then if you come down from Gulfland, just a few miles, you're in the area where the gamekeeper claims to have seen this fur-covered upright beast. You're in the area where the three lads from Rotherham claim to have seen it. You're in the area where the mountain bikers claim to have seen it and a host of other people that we know about who haven't gone on film. But for Wolflands, for the most part, we've got, we've got a woman at Flixton who claims to have seen it and we're going to film her, but she's only allowing us to film back of her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just, she's had so much, I wouldn't say grief, but ribbing off her husband and her family mm-hmm. for saying she's seen this thing. And she was with her husband when she saw it. She wouldn't believe what she's looking at as they're approaching the, the roundabout at Spittle Corner well after 11 o'clock at night. And they just go around towards Seamer, and she says to her husband, stop the car. And then she tells him what tells him what she's seen on the roundabout. They drive around. It's, there's nothing there, but she's adamant that she saw it. But apart from this this woman and a reconstruction that we've got to do for the paratrooper, because he's not well, uh, everybody else is on camera. Everybody else, it's their face, yeah. uh, you know, and they're having these experiences. And in a lot of instances, Chris, you know, there's there's the other element that's attached to this, which kind of throws throws these cryptids into the realm of the true paranormal and not the actual... Bonified flesh and blood creatures. It's this lower silence. It's this descent into the lower silence. This strange, almost submersed feeling that everybody gets where everything suddenly goes swi- uh, silent, and it's like the, there's been a pause button pressed on the world. Yeah, and yeah. everything's everything dies out, everything fades out. If you if it were blowing a gale before, suddenly there, it's not. You know? Do you know what I mean? And yeah, totally, yeah. That's I wouldn't say in every instance, but in a lot of times that's attached. I mean, the Rotherham guys, there were three went into forest, there's two gone on camera. But the one that hasn't gone on camera knew it were there before they saw it. Mm -hmm. He knew it were there. He told them for up to an hour before. They know it were definitely 30 minutes. They weren't timing it, see. And he's saying, We've got we've got to go. We've been watched. Mm -hmm. I say, What are you on about? There's something watching us, we've got to go. And they're saying, Don't be daft, we're here now. He said it took us like an hour and a half to get into forest. Mm-hmm. and it was pitch black. We couldn't leave. It's a, and it's, it's in a ravine that's like seven to 800 foot ravine. Uh, I don't mean you're climbing on ropes, but it's very steep. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. To, to get out of that in night is a, is a difficult job. And uh, I said, we just, we didn't, you know, we, we just tried to keep, keep him calm and just look, there's nothing, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly in the darkness, 45 foot away, how do I know? Because I took a surveyor's tape and I've measured where they were and where they perceived they saw it. Two huge amber eyes light up about 36 inches off ground. He says, and He's absolutely beside himself. We're having to hold him. He's a big guy and he's wanting to get up, just run. Mm-hmm. This went on for ages. He's getting more and more agitated. Jim stands up half an hour, an hour later, tries to shoo it away and to clue what he's looking at. Because I said, Give me an uh, idea of the size of the eyes. And Jim's exact words were, if, um, to a, I can't think of an animal to assign the eyes to. He said, because they were they were bigger than a cow's, wider apart than a cow's, and a lot bigger. He said, but I shooed it away and it disappeared. So and then I turned round, he said, and then when I looked at the guy who we'll not name and I looked at Steve, the jaws have dropped. He says, and I knew some it were up and I turned round, he says, and from being 36 inch off ground, they're now seven foot in air. He says, and you can see it in backlights at moon. He says, and I mean, and we've spent, Nights now in the forest with these guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe it shouldn't be a case of be careful what you wish for, Paul. You know what I mean. But uh, we've done that. I mean, the first the first time. Do I think these guys are genuine? Yeah, hundred percent. And the and the gamekeeper. And mm-hmm. um, the first night that they met us, and they come from Rotherham. They spent they, they come straight from work, two and a half hour journey, straight to the forest, walked in. Myself, Les Brown, and Chris Wright, just to show us where they'd seen it, and then out again. Up that ravine. Seriously, Les Drake, Digital Creations, collapsed at the top of the ravine. We thought it were an ambulance job. He's out. He's gone. We we took his rucksack off him. We took his camera, everything. It it was too much for Les. You know what I mean? It was really hard going. Mm -hmm. And it just overheated. We got a bit of water in him and took his jacket off. And luckily, but what, what I'm trying to stress is these guys, two and a half hours to get here, straight from work two and a half hours back, work next day. And then they've come in and spent nights in and we're, we're planning. They saw it in in August, which is this month. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I don't think it was a full moon, but they were a moon. So we're planning on going in. I think the full moon is, is the 22nd of this month. And that's a Sunday. We're going to go in on the Saturday. Uh, I I know I'm going to go in with one of them Mm -hmm. and, and Chris Wright's going. So, we, we, when we say so we're going in, people, we're not thinking, "Oh, this is going to happen." Uh, but and I, I'm probably being really silly putting myself in these positions because if they're telling the truth, and I believe they are, then they've seen something horrendous.
0: Mm.
1: If we're ever going to get proof, we're not going to get it. here me and Chris talking to each other. Do you know you've got to be out there? If you know, so that, that's that's what we're doing. I mean, I'll not be setting trail cams up and. Motion sensors and any of that. I'll just I'll we'll just go in, we'll sit and observe. I will take the psionics and the thermal, but I won't be walking flashing lights around the forest all night and stuff. Mm-hmm. We were in there last weekend, just sat nice and quiet, lit a fire, and just and save it atmosphere. It's there's nothing like it, anyways. It starts as night starts to fall in if you're in a forest and Yes. The life so slowly sort of dies. It's it's, a, it's an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and as it comes to live in the morning as well. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I've seen the pictures. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 But oh, I mean, it's it's totally intriguing, the, the amount of phenomena that's down that area. And that's one thing <laughs> I wanted to highlight. Just I know you've got loads of... You could sit here for hours and hours and hours. I know you've got loads of other accounts and stuff. And like, I mean, for what's down there, I like to highlight... For listeners who maybe haven't heard your material, or new listeners to it, for the fact that you, they've got people are looking at elsewhere, like people look at like the, the programs on TV, like Skinwalker Ranch and stuff yep. like that. But you've got it here. I mean, it's, it's on your doorstep. It's it's here, and I, I would think,
1: Chris, that that probably this area isn't unique. Mm-hmm. You you know, I I have a feeling that you know, if you if you can, find, I like places in your own particular area. You will you will fi, you will find them. Maybe maybe even more prolific with with sightings and uh, encounters, especially if you're in a remote area. I think what you've got with myself personally is I've still got the energy to get out there.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and like I said to people, I packed in work at forty eight, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and after working like I worked, I sound like I'm boasting, but I worked stupidly hard mm-hmm. with the hands. Do you know what I mean? we were all, but I, I were quick at what I did as a joiner, yeah. so I got into into a position where I didn't owe anybody a penny. I don't have a load of money. I I drive around in a it's not a new car. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I I I am not going to say oh I could buy a brand new car. I couldn't. So but I've got enough money to do what I do. Yeah. Got a few old houses and converted them to flats. I know people don't need to know that, but it's good to paint a picture of how somebody's able to do go from 48 to yeah, 58 yeah. doing this. But what I'm what I'm trying to get at is. I I, then I've devoted a lot of time to it. Like today, I were up at five o'clock. I were doing stuff for book. Uh, I've I've been doing stuff for Uh, Wolflands. Me and Les have been doing a bit of editing at dinner time, and and it kind of never stops. Mm -hmm. And you know, and obviously we're we're gonna do a, a skywatch on Friday. Uh, it's Thursday tomorrow. We've got live stream, I think, tomorrow. I don't know because we didn't have a guest, so we, you know, I don't know whether I'm, I'm just going to ramble on for a, for an hour, you know. But uh, I don't,
0: yeah, I'm I don't sure. know well, what it was at that anyway. So. Yeah.
1: So you know, I, but it, it kind of never stops. So I've devoted all this time to it. I mean, I, I must have spent three years in the archive at Bridlington Library upstairs, at, and I've gone through it every paper. Every single newspaper from 1931 to 2011 when it stopped. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and just writing all random things. There were some things I weren't picking up on earlier. You kind of it's like a learning process. I weren't I was were looking for UFO reports, mm-hmm. I weren't really looking for cat disappearances, I was always looking for vanishing cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it were only writing second book that I realized that I'd come across these. UFO reports, and then I'd come across a spike in missing cats. Mm-hmm. So when you go, then you go back to 2006, and you realise there's a lot of UFO reports, and there's a spike in cats disappearing. Mm-hmm. I can't say A is responsible for B, but I, but there's there's the the link is there. It's plain to see, you know. And and we're not talking like odd missing cat. We're talking Bridlington Free Press reporting that uh, you know this particular week four cats went missing. I'll not say area because I can't remember. I think it was Queensgate. Uh, in 2006 and then following week seven cats gone missing and when you add it all up over a month there's about 30 cats gone no answer for it it could be just somebody that uh, just sounds sarcastic then can I so wanted to make a fur coat Uh, you know but uh, no I don't mean that I don't advocate I like cats but um, what I'm meaning is (laughs) It, it could be some sadistic person, yeah. but it was strange that there were a lot of UFO reports around that time, and there were also an article on Short Lane called, uh, that came from Short Lane, Hunt for the Deer Butcherers, mm-hmm. which interested me when I read it, because it said that we're looking for somebody who's butchering deer, and they're paring the meat off the bone in an unusual manner, but they're not taking the meat.
0: Mm-hmm. How it's long
1: ago so- was this? was this... This was all during that period, and the same thing were happening up, up to Waldgate, which is probably two, two miles away, up, on, up around there, loads of UFO sightings. I don't mean in 2006, but as, a, as, a, as an area as a whole, Waldgate, the, the old Roman Road and the crossroads, yep. gets a lot of sightings. And I've spent time up there. Where our youngest daughter used to go to karate, and it were, quicker, it were easier to go and drop her off and go and wait up Waldgate rather than drive home 15 minutes, drive back. It was only five minutes to Walgate from where she were. Loving that life then, though, all that kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> so, you know, one particular evening, before it got dark, and my wife sat up there with me, and we're looking out, you can see right over the sea, you can see Willsthorpe, you can see Hull, Flamborough, and a thing like a, you can picture a torpedo suite, you know, like that shape, bullet bullet, both ends. Yeah. Gold just, just appeared in the sky. We both saw it, and then it moved but we didn't see it move and it's in a different place and that was that so we, we saw that that night at Worldgate. i were up there in the dark i think mary were with me once again and and she'll have been sat in care because she didn't see it and i just sort of turned around and there's it sounds pathetic but I, I i i met the analogies to what it resembled mm-hmm. and it looked like a string of sausages gold sausages mm-hmm. in the in the sky and they just slowly evaporated You know, so I think I probably have seen more than my fair share of things, but I put myself out there to find them. Well, I'm on these clifftops looking for this stuff. I'm in these forests where most people are sat watching Coronation Street, you know, or, or, you know, people have said, well, when I was looking at the animal mutilations around Bempton primarily, there's people in Bempton when Chris made the Bempton phenomenon saying, who is this guy? Never, never even heard of him, never seen him. He must be making it up. Does he even live here? When I were on them fields at four o'clock in the morning and coming off at eight o'clock and going home, mm-hmm. they were still in bed. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? And, and and one of the farmers, he'd read the comments on social media and he said, I'm going to say something. They haven't a clue. I said, Don't say a word. I said, Well, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just how it is. Did you see that fly up past you then? Was that the fly? No. Yeah, it must have been a fly. I just saw it. Yeah. It's
0: so interesting in terms of like, the just. If it's in the area, have you managed to, um, through all the data you've been correlating, all the different reports, and that, have you managed to correlate some, I'd say, I would say an understanding, but when you see linkages between timelines and stuff like that, have you managed to see anything like that? And I know you're, you're touching that a bit there with some of the reports, but um things when you, you see ufo reports is there anything else happening at the same time in terms of like cryptid sightings and, and things like that have you managed to correlate yeah the, well
1: you, you do find that you do find that as as it's unfolding mm-hmm. other things are happening and some of it's purely noise related mm-hmm. i pitch ringing noises the, the the rumblings under the ground but when you get the light form phenomena at the same time you but you might not get it straight away, Chris. Mm-hmm. You might, you, you know, you might, you, you, we, I might personally see the lights over the CS. Chris Turner came up, Jerry Denning, uh, oh God, Mark Farnell, a few of us after a awakening conference and we saw the lights. But that were all we saw. But then a few months later, somebody might come at you with a report saying, you know, we saw this, I can't say it were a big cat for sure, but or I saw a cat, a black cat, as big as a Labrador on clifftops. When did you see it? Oh, around November 2nd, and you're thinking, hold on a minute, we were up there early November. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, it doesn't all us, you don't get it all in one yes. shot or all in one hit, mm-hmm. you know. And we, I mean, when we were up there, Chris Turner, uh, we looked, we were stood at one of these stands and we looked down onto the cliffs. Uh, I think Mark Farnell were with us on this particular occasion, all got cameras in his hands. He's a professional cameraman, Chris. And I'm looking down at rocks, and there's a brilliant white sphere of light on the rocks below. And Chris just looked at me, says, "Are you looking at the same thing as me?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> he didn't think to film it. Mm-hmm. He didn't think to film it. Matt Farnell didn't. It's, it's weird, and I don't mean the summit subliminally telling us not to mm-hmm. film it. You just kind of saw, you're processing what you're looking at, that you it's over with before you've got a chance to actually do anything about it. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah. Last year, oh, So you're getting kind of awestruck as well. So it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's definitely kind of the last thing in your mind to try because at the end of the day, it's you're kinda getting oh, I know what we we, talk, we said before, obviously, it's it's not a case of, we don't need to believe in this, I mean it's just a case because we know it, right? But it's um, it's just another point of validation that you've got for yourself, yep. not for anybody else. And it's not I think you it's the last, I wouldn't say it's the last thing you'd probably think to but it's um it's not the first thing in your mind to actually start recording something. Just to show everybody else, you've seen it for yourself. And- yeah, it, it is. I mean, Steve Ashbridge has is, is no wish
1: to really record it. I mean, I probably would, but if, if I'm seeing something, I'm trying to get camera on it. Yeah. Steve's looking at it. He's probably getting a better visual than I'm getting because I'm I'm trying to get camera fired up. And you know, in dark, it's not always as easy. If you, especially if you're doing something in a in a rush, mm-hmm. and your cameras have to be kept out of damp conditions and it's always damp and there's loads of moisture in air up there in winter. Mm. Luckily, the Pulsar and the Psionics, they're, they're really well waterproof. But, uh, you know, daylight again. Bob Brown's up there. He's got his Panasonic camera. G- Gemma were up with one of my daughters. She's not really interested, but she was staying with us for a few weeks. So she, she said that she'd have a run up with us. And uh, I'm, I'm filming, or trying to get camera set up, looking out the sea. Still light same hillside where this old angler claims that this spaceship landed mm-hmm. same field below where me and lee haywood saw these things and bob's taking a picture of a kestrel and then i see him go i said what's the matter he says and he took another picture he says, i've just took a picture of some of just appeared on hill i said what do you mean he says i don't know he says i've just seen it and he's got this picture he's and he'll not mind sharing it with anybody if anybody wants to contact bob brown and it's hard to say what it looks like. It looks like a. Some people might say it looks like a an A stack that's fell on its side. Hmm. Some might say that it looks like it's all pareidolia, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's clear. Whatever it is, it's it's, it's on a, in the fields are there, the sky's there, and this blob, and it could be a head and shoulders like crouched. Yeah. Within seconds, me and Gemma went straight up there. There's only fields about. There's nothing there. Just a strange, quirky thing that he'd managed to get a picture of but in the same area it's them two again got dark one evening when we are up there I didn't see it I give Gemma this powerful torch of mine because it, it bugs me a bit Bob's always flashing torch around all over the place and <laughs> you know I can't be doing with I, but I, I don't say I'll oh, probably listen to this yeah, Night
0: vision, vision going <laughs> yeah that's it yeah
1: so so Gemma must have put torch over to this field and said what's that Bob and he said oh it's a it's a uh, square, uh, ah, bit a of panel. post. On like, a fence post, it's a, it's a panel on a fence post. Yeah. It looked about the size, apparently, what a runner would have on his shirt, say number 15 or something, you know? Oh, right. uh, but, it's, but it was just a white panel. And then Bob went, hold on a minute, there's nothing there. So they both put torch on it, and between them both, I didn't see this, it, it just dropped at floor and disappeared. No idea. You know, your guess is as good as mine. So some of this stuff does not fit into what we would conventionally think of as unexplained phenomena. People are looking for poltergeist activity, UFO as in structured craft, mm. uh, you know, I mean, the, the cryptid thing, that as well. But then you've got
0: this weird stuff. You've got the squares of light. Don't quite fit, does it? Do you know what I mean? It's but Some people don't make the connection as well, because you even get some people in the paranormal field who will predominantly into UFO activity and you'll get other people but on the other side maybe looking at into the ghost activity. Yeah. Um, and and you get people who maybe research or look into or investigate everything and they'll automatically see that if, if there's maybe people who are liking to maybe see UFOs, they'll have, they'll have things happen in their house. They'll have poltergeist activity and, and all this kind of stuff as well. It's a mix melting pot of, of different paranormal activity.
1: That, that's correct. You know, I mean, and then you've got the people... We'll not stigmatize the structured nuts and bolts UFO guys they're doing a great job, but that's all they want to look at. Yeah, and you've got the cryptid people, that's all they want to look at. Mm. I mean, if there's thing, if the, the strange things happening, things of an unexplained nature happening that don't fit in with what you're wanting to look at, I, th- I still think you're missing a trick totally. because you know, the, 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 there's there's a link to it, and even if they're not even if they're not linked, Mm -hmm. they're linked by the location, they're linked by what's enabling them. There's an enabler, Mm -hmm. shall we say, do you know?
0: And uh, there's there's something letting it through. Yeah.
1: Once again, we've, we've sort of, or I've rambled on for an hour and a half and I've not given anybody an answer because I haven't got one or, uh, you know, all I can do is fire over these experiences, my own experiences and what I've seen and, you, you, you try to give the wit, talk about the witness. If you've if you've got faith in the witness who's telling you something, they're not always telling you the truth. I mean, get loads of reports and some will just be polite but just not follow up. Uh, but if you've got faith in them, then you've my job as I see it is to put it over in the most plausible way possible. Like when I'm talking about the light forms and I'm talking about Brian Lancaster's photograph, I love the fact that when somebody says, "Oh, it's afterburners," it's it's a meteorite or they flares. So no, hold on a minute. This photograph were taken over a 35-second exposure. There's no movement in them lights. Mm-hmm. They appeared one, two, three, within, I don't know, within four or five seconds and hung there for 15 seconds, and this guy has just managed to capture them. I've ruled out all your explanations, mate. I'm not saying they're an earthly explanation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, but at the moment, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards the unearthly explanation. This is the true light form phenomena. And this guy's got it on film or got a, a picture of it. I've got film of it uh, and film that I've not put out. Not, And you, you also leave yourself wide open. Well, why don't you put it out? Um, I will do. I will do. I, I'll, I'll pick my time if you know what I mean. But I've got film of these lights, which are just coming on. And then there's another one and another one. The, the prob, main problem was that the Sony camera that I bought before I got the NX80, I had a Sony VX2100, which is a digital one. Yeah. And it was brilliant in low light, but the weather conditions up on clifftops sort of ruined it, you know? And that were a couple of grand. And we got the NX80, similar thing. And I, I'm careful with this one. I don't leave it just stuck on clifftops, getting wet through all night with moisture. So half town time, when these lights appear, I'm getting camera set up to film them, and they've gone. Go on, so I'm on to get the tail end of them. But hopefully now I've got a bit, a little bit better camera equipment, mm. stuff that I can actually leave up there, ready to go should it present, and that that's that's the idea. I mean, uh, whether we get it or not, I don't know. But I have got, I've already got some on film of these things. I've just, I've li- I've literally held back with putting some, well, one particular piece out. And if I'd have got that thing with what I saw with Lee Haywood, I mean, would have been, I think we'd have all been jumping about for joy because that really was spectacular.
0: Yeah, but I think it's great that you've, the amount of research you've done and the amount of stories you've collected. And I know a lot, of people, a lot of people who research the subject say it's, it's hard to be an expert in the subject because you can't, it's no tangible, that, that, that kind of sense. But you're an expert in the witness accounts and pulling together the data. And and adding it up, and that's that's one thing that you definitely are in. I mean, so it's
1: well, it, it, it's 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 good to be able to gather the information. You know, and there'll, there'll, there'll be there's elements to these stories. If we jump right back to the beginning and when we first started speaking and talking about XS eight nine four, mm-hmm. the lightning that crashed and the alleged UFO. I mean, because I, I have to say alleged because it caused a lot of distress to family and yeah. a full respect to family because they didn't want anything to do with the UFO related story. Mm-hmm. But i found things that might be UFO-related about it. I mean, I've never suffered any flack for it. I think Tony Dodd did and other people. Uh, and I wouldn't just stick a pin in it and say, no, it's definitely UFO. Mm. But I'm, 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 I'm still sitting on information. Mm. I'm sitting on a radar – not sitting on a radar operator, quite literally people, <laughs> I'm sat on a chair here. But a radar operator there on the night still – Alive and kicking. Mm-hmm. Who I've contacted, who I've spoke to. I once a once or twice on many occasions. Uh, all credentials are there. Everything's there to tell me that he was there on the night. He weren't at Bempton radar station, mm-hmm. but he was one just further down coast, mm-hmm. not a million miles away. Multiple unidentifieds over the sea that night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's that's telling us something, but. Do, will I ever get him to come forward? I could say his name right now, but I've tons more respect for a guy than to do that. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't do that. And I, I'd never compromise him. So it's, it's up to him if he's, if he's going to come forward and actually give me that information. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've got it. He's given it me. He's trusted me enough to give it me, but I, I'm not saying anything about it. I have a Coast Guard, uh, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, a Coast Guard uh, operative, very high up in Coast Guard, who's given me information. and And, you, you sat you're sitting on it you you,
0: you,
1: you but it, even though you can't talk about it well I know I am doing it indirectly yeah. it, it it's kind of it spurs me on it validates me it knows it, it point, tells me i'm going in the right direction
0: do you yeah, know what yeah. i mean you know there's something there's something tangible there that oh, your hands oh, are, yeah, yeah
1: yeah without a doubt i mean i know that i know for a fact that during the Willstorp incident uh, which happened in 2009, September 2009, although there were UFO sightings throughout 2009, but it sort of culminated in 2009. I know that the night that the old couple saw the object, a call went into police, mm-hmm. uh, which is now in Protected Archive.
0: So am I object? ever going to get it? That's the object out of the sea. They saw, they
1: saw, they saw a, a, I don't know whether it was, they saw a, a, a spheres of light. I'll say spheres, it could be sphere because I can't remember now, coming from Flamborough or Flamborough head away, and spheres of light coming from Hull. And they entered what the what the witness said was a black yacht sail over the sea. In the air, hmm. triangle initially, triangle, yeah. you know, but that's how they described it. And I know that, that that report is in Protected Archive. So anybody out there listening to this, if you think you can get it, go for it. Uh, you know, I don't know how you'd word it. Uh, because, you know, but there's stuff out there. I mean, a woman co- contacted me called Carly, who I've spoke to at length and I'm, I'm going to interview again. I only contacted her a few, well, about two weeks ago. And uh, she contacted me early this year or late last year to to, to, to give me another account. This was from November. So so September was when I got all my information, 2009. But in November 2009, she's wa- she's driving down the road into Bridlington along the Willstort Road. Towards the roundabout, her and her colleague, a young girl that she's got, I think, worked for her or worked with her, following a red car. Suddenly, the red car starts swe- swerving and weaving about in the road. They thought he were drunk or it fell asleep. They didn't really know what to make of it, so they slowed down. The red car stopped. They overtook the red car. Maybe they should- I'm hoping the red car driver comes to me one day. I'm really hoping he does. Yeah. She looks to her right. And there's a hedgerow that's about eight to ten foot tall, and there's arable land at the back of it, and then there's Willsthorpe at uh, uh, the other side and the sea. Yeah. She said there's a huge, kind of bullet-shaped object skimming the ground with two red lights on it. Ma- absolutely massive. She said she said, estimated that th- when, when they'd first seen, when they'd first seen it, this guy were four car lengths in front of them in his car. And it was bigger than the back of her car and bigger than the front of that one. She said it must have been, and he must have seen it then. She said, "It's going alongside of their car." She said the girl was passenger with them screaming, actually freaking out, terrified. This thing's so tall that it, they can't see top of it. Yeah. No noise. Ah. So anybody that wants to turn around and say, "Well, it could have been a Hercules helicopter," it's at a blown car across yeah. road. You know? Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Oh, so, crazy. so, and it gets to the roundabout where the trees break and there's there's a little roundabout and a light there, this thing stops, turns, shoots out to sea. That's just another account that we've got that's kind of adding f- flavour to Wilsthorpe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The old couple, I think it was September the 15th, 2009, that they claimed that they'd seen these objects over the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And this is November. But, you know, I mean, before that, we'd got the bait diggers uh, on the beach at Wilsthorpe who were telling me that they'd seen triangular shaped objects entering the sea mm. don't make sense because it's that shallow the sea out there where they said it well these things were entering yeah as, yeah. as the bait diggers said if you put chess waders on you could you could wade out 100 yards mm. do, do you know what i mean and, and they perceived that these things were entering. so where were they going what if they're lying then why didn't they make the story a bit more credible and saying that well, they're about a quarter of a mile out yeah yeah so do you know what i mean Uh, and one particular nights that they went up there, they were taken off beach by military. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what are you doing? Well, we're bait diggers. You know, what do you mean bait? He says, we've come to dig bait. We've got to come on a low tide. And then they got taken off beach. Then they came back and watched over the top. He says, they've got metal detectors. They're assuming they were metal detectors. Nobody knows what they were, but they were military personnel scouring Mm -hmm. beach. All this around Wilstorpe 2009. I realised that, it's a bit fragmented that people because we've not even broke into the story, but it might be one to
0: do for another time, Chris. Yeah, definitely, and just to touch on um, a bit as well to let the listeners know as well, like the 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 crash, the, the aircraft crash. There has been uh, a number of other crashes in the same area. Um, I'm right in saying that, and there's um, there's also a, a geomagnetic anomaly um, of, yeah. the coast, of the coast, off the coast of um, in, a,
1: in a similar area. Uh, I don't know, twelve to fifteen miles, ten to fifteen miles off Flamborough Bempton. There's old maps that say a magnetic anomaly exists in this location, and then on other maps you've got the Bempton fault, mm-hmm. and you've got magnetic areas. And there's a lot of things seem to happen in these particular areas. And it's it is true to say that there's, a, there's there are quite a number of aircraft that have gone down in that location. Could, money could have been just tragic accidents. Yeah, yeah. So yeah what yeah. is interesting on June, I think it was June fifteenth. 1998, a tornado crashed off Ed, you know, 25 miles off, I think, or somewhere around there. And uh, the, we're going back to 1998, the, the UFO researchers of the day. Said this was UFO related. I weren't involved in it, any of that, but I, the, I think there were a thing called UFO updates at that time, and there were a lot of talk about it. and UFOs had been seen, but you know, because so somebody were doing their job as RC that they realized that other when I, the unidentified objects had been seen around that area and, and over the North Sea. Mm. And then this plane comes down, not necessarily to do with a UFO, but that's interesting. I mean, I found a life, lifeboat log. We said June, July 12th, same year, simply titled Object, mm-hmm. where fishermen had seen a, a large dark object descend from sky, land on surface at sea, lifeboats launched. So a freedom of information request, Coast Guard wouldn't give it me. <laughs> so I tried lifeboat agency themselves, and I got it. So I got the only thing that was re, redacted was the word object. <laughs> but I've, no, I've not got a problem because I saw it. I actually saw the blog, so I have no problem. I don't have to think to myself, "I'm going to add a little bit to that and call it object." That's what it said. So that, were, so we got that one. You know, so there were lots of activity, but what we we're saying is, um, June fifteenth, the tornado crashed, 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A sea eagle crashed June fifteenth. Do you know? I'm not. I'm not saying, Chris, that. It could be no but a tragic coincidence, but it, it it is quirky nevertheless. Do you
0: know what I mean? Yeah, definitely is. Yeah. But, uh, Chris, how long do you want to go? Yeah, listen. Well, listen. I'm happy to, if you if you're going to if you want to wrap up, there, that's fine. You know what I mean? We could talk at another date. I mean, I think um, I could listen to you all night. You know what I mean? But just to let the listeners let the listeners know that we've only touched on some of the stories that Paul's got. Um, oh, and God, the, yeah, I
1: mean, there's this now there's you've
0: a, got you've got um free truth book, books out and the, the of oh, the, the night people, and you're writing another one. one. Now, numerous videos, numerous YouTube, uh,
1: yeah. We, we will be working on Wolflands. So, yeah. anybody that wants to just type in Paul Sinclair Wolflands and you can look at trailer to documentary that we're doing. Uh, is, is it all right to do this? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, want yeah, yeah. to plug, plug everything you can. I mean, no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll put stuff I, in the show notes as well. Well, the thing is, Chris, I, I'm Obviously, you like to sell books, but I genuinely mean it. I'm not bothered whether I do or I don't. Uh, the, I've written them now, mm-hmm. and, and if people want to buy them, then fine. Don't take my word for it. Read the reviews. Uh,
0: great, great books, definitely. And, and You'll know,
1: like you know, you, 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 you you'll be reading books by somebody who's just knocked nails in wood mm-hmm. for God knows how long and then decided he's going to have a go at writing a book, but uh, they've been received well, let's put it that way. Yeah. And, and then I've written The Night People, which is about my own experiences, and then we're on with the, the next Truth Proof book, which I think will probably be done in a month. Uh, you know, I've been on with it quite a while now, and obviously that's going to be Truth Proof for uh, subtitled Fantasy of Reality. And, uh, yeah, that's on oh, the website, which is truthproof.uk. So anybody listening, Chris, who's got any UFO reports, it does not necessarily have to be East and North, Yorkshire related. Yeah. If, if you've got a good, credible report, we'd love to hear it. Send it to us, we'll, and if you want anonymity, just tell us, and we'll, we, you know, we'll treat you with respect, and we'll put the report on. And it's, you know, website. I've, I've done lodge to thank for the website. Not myself. He's a lot better at that than me. So he's putting all the reports on and, and sort of correlating stuff. So you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that respect that I get a lot of help off Don. All my poor spelling and punctuation, Don helps me sort out. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be, I've got to be honest. You know, and uh, and Les Drake. I mean, I do a lot of filming for Wolflands now, only simply because I've learnt quite a lot of Chris Turner and Les. Yeah. And, you know, and we have our Truth Proof live stream, which is usually on a Thursday evening at seven o'clock. But other than that, Chris, I'm happy to talk again anytime you want, mate. Hey,
0: I would love to get you back on again because I know there's a, a wealthy stories here. And going through, I, I went through, I followed all your material and I got to the books last because in my job at the time, when I was working my day job, uh, I travelled a lot. So yes. I listened to a lot of talking books and stuff. So I actually went back and started reading books again and read your books. I mean, that's what I started getting back in again. So, and I went even, I went for um, The Night People back the way. Yeah, nice <laughs> I that. But I mean, The Night People as well, it's one of the best um, abductor scenario books I've read to, to this day. What I, what I did with Night People,
1: I mean, and I don't know if I've done it right, but what I tried to do was paint a picture. Like I'm 58 and there'll be obviously people know no, just as well as me what it's like growing up in nineteen sixties, but there'll be a lot of people who don't. And I wanted to cry try and paint a picture of what life was like in nineteen sixties. So I didn't just want to write about my perceived experiences with these weird beings. Mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to paint a picture of what it were like growing up in that time as well. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know whether it worked. I mean it no, yeah, that-
0: really did it was a great book I me mean, I loved it. Have a look at Paul's work. You'll find them on Facebook truthboot.uk and also, I mean, get his books, get my YouTube, and I'll put up in the show notes as well. So you will put a link of everything. Yeah, and if we'll get them back, anybody
1: back. wants to get the books from me direct, just just email me, and I can send details. And if you want them signing, I'm happy to do that. All good.
0: So, I'd just like to thank you very much for coming back on. I appreciate uh, all your stories and, and, and basically recounting um, the witness accounts and stuff like that as well. It's been great having you on, and we'll definitely, if you want to come back home we'll get you on again. So, thanks very much. Love to all Chris. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.